Welcome to the Limitless Mindset Podcast. This podcast will teach you to acquire superhuman mental abilities and hack your reality. In this episode, we discuss a limitless yet very uncommon character quality and an infamous World War II officer who practiced it valiantly. In the resources section, a smartphone app that will make grocery shopping for brain power food easier than ever. So this is going to be a pretty sweet episode. We're going to get a little bit philosophical. We're going to talk about history some. And then, of course, we're going to give some very actionable strategies for applying the philosophical and historical deep stuff. I've also got a technology application that's going to make it much easier for for you to grocery shop for maximum mind power. But first, I need to give shoutouts to four listeners who went into iTunes and left us reviews with their thoughts of the show. So first one, great motivational podcast by Edwin Gregory. Five stars, boom. Love the podcast. I listen mostly on my way to work to get a positive start to my day. I wish there was a question and answer section that listeners can submit questions or suggestions. Also, I can't find the site podcast notes. Keep up the good work, guys. Well, Edwin, thanks for the five-star review, even though it sounds like we're not quite measuring up completely. I'm going to add a form on our website here this week that you or anyone else listening to the show can submit questions about any of these subjects that we talk about and then we will do our best to answer those questions very thoroughly on the next episode that we air. Next review by Chris G10, Killer Insights, Tips, and Mindset Techniques to Live a Limitless 
lifestyle. A plus, five stars. This show takes personal development plus brain power plus social dynamics to a whole nother level. Enter your new limitless lifestyle. Truly engaging conversations, key topics for growth, and exciting in all areas of your life. Add this one to your playlist for sure. Thanks, Chris. And then we also heard from Willie Can 12 five stars. He said, so good. I love your life hacking episode. Great tips. I'll be a listener for life. And then we finally heard from Ramona the Pug. She said, a plus, 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 plus. Five stars. Your podcast is full of great information and helpful tips. I recommend this to anyone who wants to improve their life. So thanks again for the people that went into the clunky iTunes interface and left those five-star reviews. Within iTunes, interestingly, this show actually falls into the self-help section under the health category, which is a little bit crazy to me. If someone had came to me 10 years ago and told me that I would have a self-help podcast, I would have looked at them pretty funny. And I think if you spend very much time listening to this podcast and you've read very many self-help books, what we're doing here is not very much like self-help. However, Our focus of this show is to give our listeners, give our visitors to our website as many tools that will work as fast and as effectively and ideally for free, but if they do cost money, that they work as cost effectively as possible to help improve people's lives, improve people's productivity. And so in this episode, that's exactly what we're going to do. We're going to give you a smartphone app that's going to help you grocery shop for food that's going to make you feel better and be more productive. So if you feel like that kind of thing actually does help people get ahead in life, I'd like to ask that at the end of listening to this episode, you go on to iTunes in your browser and leave us a five-star review uh, like these people did. And we would really, really appreciate that. And what that actually accomplishes, that's not just for vindicating my own feeling like I'm doing something useful here. What that does is that improves the visibility of this show in iTunes. So more people that are searching underneath the self-help category are going to find our show, which gives all this useful, actionable advice, which will actually send you out stuff for free that'll help you, as opposed to, you know, some show that gives, you know, pithy platitudes or something like that. That's what we're actually accomplishing by leaving these five-star reviews. So if you do that, I really do personally appreciate you. If you do that and you are in a country other than the United States of America and you leave us a review, please shoot me an email, jr at limitlessmindset.com and let me know that you dropped us a review because iTunes likes to hide reviews from me that don't come from the United States because I'm in the United States. A little bit odd of iTunes. So let's dive now into the featured content of this episode. 
I'd like you to imagine that you are a German living in Germany in 1942. And whatever your thoughts are and opinions are of the Nazis in World War II, I'd like you to kind of just put those aside for a moment and imagine what it would be like to be a person in that society at that time in history. In World War II in 1944, Germany was just going through one of its very worst hours. And as a person in that society, you've been through a really extreme emotional roller coaster in a relatively short amount of time. Less than 20 years ago, your society was the poorest country in Europe. The inflation was just killing all commerce and jobs in your society. Imagine the very worst depression that you can. And then imagine that the money Imagine that you would have a wallet or a pocket for, full of bills, many, many bills in your pocket, and you could buy barely anything with that money. And then imagine that a new political party came into power, and pretty quickly they fixed the entire economy, and people had jobs, and buildings were being built, and factories were being built, and you could join the military, and there was real livelihood for the people. Imagine how good that would feel. And then a war started to occur, but it was a war occurring that was pretty far away from you. And generally, all you were hearing was very good things about the war. You'd hear occasionally about someone, uh, someone that you knew by association, a childhood friend, or someone that you grew up from down the street from that had, had died in that war, been injured in that war, had came back and had some war stories about, you know, a conflict that was brutal, but at the same time, the society was expanding and they were picking up new room for your society which was growing which was which was doing quite well economically a vast vast extreme contrast to the poverty you were living in in very recent times and then imagine that that things started to change that factories started being attacked and that there was the, the factories and military installations and train yards started being destroyed in your city just a couple miles away from where you lived from where your kids went to school from where you and your family would eat at and play in parks and that was that was pretty scary having that happen and then i want to imagine that over more years, what started happening was something really scary, which is that the bomb stopped falling just on these factories and these military industrial production centers nearby where you lived. These bombs started getting dropped just haphazardly 
on the city. Because that's what happened as World War II progressed. Initially, the Allies in World War II had this very morally high-grounded strategic military position where they said, we're only going to bomb strategically targets of military importance. But over time, that changed. And they started bombing cities, and they started bombing places that they knew were residential areas of the city. And this would happen primarily at night, which for me just makes things seem creepier because at night there's all there's there's just there's just a degree of of more uncertainty at night because it's dark and you can't see, see things quite as much. And that's when the British Lancasters would fly over Germany and they would just carpet bomb cities, taking out the museums, taking out schools, taking out hospitals taking out homes, and they would drop these incendiary bombs, which would not just blow up and send a bunch of shrapnel flying every which way, but they would cause these huge fires. And so that's something that had been going on for a couple of years now, into 1944. So it would be kind of like living constantly on edge, especially at nighttime. Nighttime would be especially a scary time, which would lead you to not sleep very well. So I'd like you to kind of imagine a day where the night before you had spent the whole night kind of tossing and turning in your sleep and you hadn't slept very well and you'd rolled out of bed with, you know, maybe an hour of sleep, maybe not. Imagine that state of mind. Now imagine being in that state of mind just just perpetually, because you didn't know whether or not a huge bomb uh, was going to light your house and your family and your livelihood on fire at really any moment. And these attacks on cities were, they're really unconscionable, unimaginable for someone like us these entire cities, they would have 20, 30, 40, 50,000 people in these cities die. And these entire cities would smell like burning flesh. And I don't think very many people know what burning flesh smells like. It, it smells really terrible. I smelt it once in my life. Actually, when I caught on fire one time, which was on a date as a matter of fact. But that's a story for another episode, maybe when we're discussing dating. But burning flesh smells really, really repugnant. It's one of those smells that kind of burns in the, in the back of your throat. And so there would be entire cities that would smell like that. And I'd like you to imagine in this environment that you're not just any old citizen. I'd like you to actually imagine that you are an aristocratic, high-level soldier. You're kind of like a general. You're, you're actually very close to being a general. You're a highly ambitious, highly productive soldier who has been in the military for quite a while. You haven't been a soldier in the trenches for a while because you're very good at what you do. You're actually very, very sharp as a soldier. And so you've been promoted and you are in a management role. 
and you know all about Stalingrad and the terrible defeat that your country has had there. And in Stalingrad, they would, in the Battle of Stalingrad, which is generally regarded by historians as being the worst battle in history, they would have up to 20,000 people dying every day in Stalingrad. In fact, that was pretty close to the average. They had about 2 million people die in that battle, which lasted a total of around 200 days. And I think the very worst day, they had about 40,000 people die in Stalingrad. And that's really kind of an unconscionable number for us if we think about human deaths. I think the closest we, closest we can actually come to imagining that is if you think about like a football stadium. And a lot of football stadiums in major cities will hold anywhere from 20,000 to 50,000 people. So if you're in a stadium that's relatively small, imagine all the people in that stadium dying in a single day in your city. Imagine what that would feel like if you were a military officer where that had been happening every single day, really depleting the viable population of your country. And this is the world that a man named Klaus von Stauffenberg lived in. Klaus von Stauffenberg, a lot of you may recognize the name, they made a really well-done movie about his life. Well, not his life, about primarily his plot to kill Adolf Hitler in 2008. It was called Valkyrie, and it starred Tom Cruise. And it was a really well-done movie, really entertaining, actually really good acting and effects and action and dynamic characters going on in the movie. If you haven't seen it at all, or if you haven't seen it recently, I totally recommend that you go rent it. In fact, I'll play the preview for it right now. God promised Abraham that he would not destroy Sodom if he could find just ten righteous men. I have a feeling that for Germany, it may come down to one. I'm involved in high treason with all means available to me. Can I count you in? For anything, sir. Anything at all. Anything is a very dangerous word, Lieutenant. We have to show the world that not all of us will like him. Otherwise, this will always be Hitler's Germany. We have to kill Hitler. I thought a man of your background would suggest a more honorable approach. We're at war. Action is inevitable as are the consequences. It's not enough to kill Hitler. Why remove a madman, just have a lunatic take his place. We have to isolate his chain of command and cut them off from the outside world. The army swore an oath, an oath that won't just die with Hitler. Then find a way. Valkyrie, what are you suggesting? Operation Valkyrie is Hitler's contingency plan in a national emergency. Hitler's own reserve army, using Hitler's own plan, will think they're fighting for Hitler's government. The army will never know they're part of a coup. When the SS catch you, they will pull you apart like warm bread. This is going to happen. Only God can judge us now. He's landed. 
I say do it. Let's begin. Initiate Operation Valkyrie. This is the most important day of your lives. God willing, we can save Europe from total destruction. You're under arrest for crimes against the state. We've been discovered. If you want to live through the night, you will do exactly as I say. And so Klaus von Stauffenberg was a person who was actually highly religious and he had a very developed consciousness and sense of personal ethics and he was seeing his country just being torn apart by this war and I want you to also imagine that as all this really bad stuff is happening what's being promised is what's called Enzeig and Enzeig means final victory and that was what was being promised by the propaganda ministry of the regime and to get kind of a comparison of what this propaganda was like I'd like you to actually think about a movie that came out a couple of years ago and it was a really corny movie called Starship Troopers. It was an action science fiction movie. It was actually a lot of fun to watch. But I'd like you to imagine back to the very beginning of the movie Starship Troopers. And they have this intro sequence where they're giving kind of like this corny little news report that's also at the same time obviously an advertisement for the military. And it's talking about, you know, oh, the military is being very successful and military service guarantees citizenship and will guarantee you this good life going on but you got to do your military service and it gives this corny little news report and it's it's really well done it's kind of funny to watch I'd recommend that anyone who hasn't seen it go and rent the movie Starship Troopers and check out that that intro sequence I also think Starship Troopers is available on Netflix and if I can find that intro sequence as a YouTube video I'll post it on the show notes of this episode but that that intro sequence in the movie Starship Troopers was actually based upon the propaganda that the Nazi regime was feeding constantly to the Nazi people and to their own soldiers throughout all of World War II. So I'd like you to imagine as this highly capable officer that you're seeing all these really terrible things going on but at the same time you're getting these super corny annoying really untruthful news reports that are putting this silly positive spin on a final victory that's going to happen and so Klaus von Stauffenberg exhibited a very uncommon yet very very limitless character quality of questioning the status quo of what was popular in his society and of playing the devil's advocate to whatever was popular in his society. Now most if not all of the people that are listening to this podcast are gonna heartily claim yeah 
I, I do the same thing. I try to think for myself independently. I try to question what I'm hearing from politicians. I try to question the status quo. I try to think of ways that I can do things differently than people in the past have done things. I think most people listening to this are part of Western societies where we really put individuality on a pedestal. And I think a lot of us will watch the movie Valkyrie and will say, yeah, in Germany, people weren't allowed to really think for themselves, but Klaus von Stauffenberg thought for himself. And that's the same thing that I do. If I were in Klaus von Stauffenberg's shoes, I would really do the same thing. But I'd like to, if you're thinking that right now, I'd like to really challenge that notion. And I'd like you to think a little bit about ideologies. And the World War II chapter of history really illustrates the human weakness for ideologies and for these political belief systems. And humans instinctively seek ideologies to subscribe to and follow. And if I were to analyze this from an evolutionary biology or an evolutionary psychology perspective, I would say that this is probably because in our evolutionary psychology, we're, we're programmed to kind of band together. And we're programmed to look for people that we have things in common with that can be part of our tribe. And if we're hanging out with our tribe and people that agree with us, then we stand a whole lot higher chance of surviving. I would say that's why there's this massive human tendency towards gathering so militantly and so loyally around ideologies. And in Nazi Germany, only a single ideology was allowed, fascism. And it led hundreds of thousands of people, who I assume started out as good people, to commit terrible acts that resulted in the horrific deaths of millions of people. Now, in today's society, things are a whole lot different. Let's be honest about that. In today's society, we have a long tail of ideologies to choose from. We have a buffet table of many different ideologies and we're free to pick a little bit of one ideology and mix it with a little bit of another one and talk about that till we're blue in the face. We can talk about that on a website. We can talk about that on a podcast. We can go to the capital steps of the capital building in whatever city that we live and get on a microphone and go and talk about whatever those particular ideologies. But to be honest, what we're really doing is we're kind of picking and choosing from the selection of ideology that's available. Even though we consider ourselves to be truly independent thinkers, we inevitably fall somewhere along the ideological spectrum. And I consider myself to be a pretty independent thinker about politics. And I'm not going to go into my political views on this podcast, but I consider myself to be pretty independent. But if I look at a 
ideological spectrum, one of those cool little infographics, I definitely fall somewhere on that ideological spectrum. And I think most people out there, even those who consider themselves really independent thinkers, if they look at a map like that, they're going to fall right there. They're going to fall within a particular ideological vertical. So is it really possible to be an independent thinker like von Stauffenberg, who was an independent thinker who was brave enough that he decided that he was going to kill his boss. Now, I'd like you to think about that a little bit. I'd like you to think about how much of an independent thinker would you have to be to kill your boss? Because, like I said, von Stauffenberg was a high-ranking military officer, and he reported not directly to Adolf Hitler, but he would see Adolf Hitler every couple of weeks. He would have a meeting where uh, he would see Adolf Hitler because he was high enough up in the organization that his opinions about how the war was going were, were relevant to Adolf Hitler. And he decided that the war was going so bad and he was aware of what was going on with the Jews and he was aware of the Holocaust. He was aware of the terrible things that were being done in the name of the prevailing ideology that he was serving. And he decided to kill his boss. He decided to kill the upper echelons of the Nazi regime. And he decided to overthrow the government. He didn't simply want to make a martyr out of himself. If he simply wanted to make a martyr out of himself, he could have brought in a pistol into a meeting with Adolf Hitler and put it to his head and executed him. And then he would have surely been executed himself after that. He had a bigger a bigger plan than that in mind. He had a plan, which you can see if you watch the movie Valkyrie, to take over the government using a reserve army and to disrupt communications so that he could pull the SS out of power. He had a bigger plan in mind to put another government in place while at the same time cutting off the head of the current government that was destroying his country and destroying Europe. So he was a real radical thinker. And I'd like to talk about what was the particular mindset and what was the mental process that made him able to think this independently in a culture and in a society and in a job that encouraged not thinking independently. And I'd actually like to give a quote from his wife, and here's what she had to say. One of his characteristics was that he really enjoyed playing the devil's advocate. Conservatives were convinced he was a ferocious Nazi, and ferocious Nazis were convinced he was an unreconstructed conservative. He was neither. So, von Stauffenberg was an arbitrary contrarian. And a contrarian is a person who takes up a position opposed to that of the majority, no matter how unpopular it makes you. Contrarian styles of argument and disagreement have historically been associated with radicalism and dissent. 
So von Stauffenberg would have actually been kind of an annoying guy <clears throat> to bring to a cocktail party because if he was sitting down with a group of people that were thinking one way that had a similar belief on a particular topic, even if von Stauffenberg completely agreed with them and was ideologically on the same page as them, he would play the devil's advocate. He would try to think of all of the intellectual holes or all the possible ways that their position could be incorrect. He played the devil's advocate. He was a arbitrary contrarian. That was the limitless character quality that he had that ultimately drove him to attempt and come very close to successfully assassinating Adolf Hitler and overthrowing the government in Germany. And if he had done this, it would have saved at least a million lives. Probably more than that. If you look at history, and I don't want to go too in-depth into history because this podcast is not specifically about history. That's not what you're listening to this specifically for. But I think if you look at history, there would have been so many lives saved and there would have been so much death and destruction and terrible episodes of history averted if Hitler and the German government had been cut off at the head about nine months prior to the end of World War II. And that's what von Stauffenberg's quality of questioning the status quo and playing the devil's advocate constantly in this particular way would have caused. So my challenge to you as a limitless individual is that next time you find yourself in a group with a clear ideological leaning on a particular subject matter, it could really be anything. I would like to challenge you to be arbitrarily contrary to this group. And this certainly has the potential to make things a little awkward around the dinner table of a family reunion, or at a meeting at your church, or around the metaphorical, metaphorical or the actual water cooler at work or with your friend or with your wife or your group of drinking buddies. Who knows? I would like to challenge you when everyone's sitting around expressing, you know, hey, yeah, this is what we think of this particular issue and everyone's in agreement. I'd like you to say, hey, guys, wait a minute, wait a minute. Let's think about this a little bit. Let me play the devil's advocate. And I promise you, it will make the debate so much more interesting. It will liven up that particular interaction so much more. And that's what von Stauffenberg did. And obviously he didn't do that vocally all the time. He did do that vocally some of the time, but he didn't do that vocally all the time. There was an internal dialogue, a constant internal dialogue that this man had going on. And this internal dialogue ultimately led him to really listen to his conscience and try to do something that could have saved so many lives and could have saved so much death and destruction. And so I think that this is a very, very admirable quality. And I think that 
for those of us who aspire to be truly limitless, I think that it can make a big difference in our lives. And so the people who regularly follow Limitless Mindset, who follow this blog and this podcast know that we are big advocates of arbitrary systems and tools, like for example, memory systems and the Socratic method, which we've discussed in other episodes, which arbitrarily force us to think more critically and engage our cognitive faculties more, which is essential to building and increasing neuroplasticity. And I'm not going to go into neuroplasticity in this episode. I discuss it in a lot of other episodes, and neuroplasticity is really essential to becoming limitless, and one of the primary ways we build neuroplasticity and increase it is by having these arbitrary systems. And finally, this particular character quality is actually going to make you a whole lot more interesting in social settings. And here at Limitless Mindset, we're all socialites, right? So this particular character quality is going to make you give a much more memorable impression to whatever social group you're a part of. So I would challenge you, next time you're in a group that has an ideological leaning, a particular direction, play that devil's advocate. And if people are a little bit bothered by that, or a little bit offended, or if they're like, Hey, man, what the heck are you doing? We always thought that you believed the same way that we did about this particular issue, and now you're talking all this crazy stuff. Well, in that case, tell them about Klaus von Stauffenberg and about about what he did. And I think people will find that as a very interesting historical antidote. And I think it'll make our conversations much more engaging, which is ultimately very limitless. Let's talk now about Fujucate. Fujucate is a application for iPhone and Android that is going to make you look a little bit silly at the grocery store. It's an application that works with your smartphone camera. And what you do is when you're at the grocery store and you're about to purchase a particular grocery, you scan the barcode with Fujucate, with the application on your phone, and it will give you a nutrition grade for that particular food item. It's a grade between A and F. A being, you know, great, good food, buy it. F being, hey, this is not very nutritionally sound food. And part of the limitless lifestyle A very essential part of the Limitless Lifestyle is practicing some discipline with our diet. For those people that are willing to practice some discipline with their diet, you will have a significantly better long and short-term memory, your faculties of neuroplasticity, your ability to learn new skills and adapt to new challenges and situations and make new friends is going to be all the better. You're going to live longer. Your brain is going to stay sharp as you age. You're going to look a whole lot better and you're also going to be day to day and overall over the course of your life much more productive if you practice a little bit of discipline with your diet. 
And nutrition and diet is kind of complicated to keep track of. There are people that go to college for four years. There's doctors that go to college for seven years to understand nutrition and diet. And those guys still argue about it or still make mistakes about it sometimes. So it's a very complicated thing to get right. And Fujukate has a massive database that it is attached to of over 200,000 of the most popular grocery items that you're going to find at grocery stores. So I really highly recommend that everyone who has an Android or an iPhone go download that app right now. It is, of course, free. It is, I believe, an ad-supported application. So if you want to get the version that doesn't have the little ads at the bottom, which is, you know, a slight annoyance sometimes, that one is only $4, which in my mind, it should be 10 times that much. So I would really highly recommend that everyone use that to help you practice a little bit more discipline in your dieting because it really is going to make a big difference in your mind power and how productive you are day to day. So again, that is Fujukate for iPhone and Android and we'll have a link on the show notes to download that one. I'd like you to check out a (laughs) really exhaustive article I wrote entitled 31 Reasons to Try Nootropics. And it's kind of a long article, but I broke it up with like a bunch of pictures and I have a lot of like summaries under each section. So even though it's a long article, it's not going to take you like two hours to read. And I'm not going to go over the entire episode right now because that would make this an excessively long article because there is 31 different very good reasons to try nootropics. I wanted to talk about just a couple of those reasons which are most special to me. And so the first one is that nootropics genuinely make me a whole lot more articulate. And I think those of you who listen to my podcast would agree that I'm a fairly articulate guy. And part of the reason for that is because I am on smart drugs. So one of the most immediate pleasant effects of good nootropics is that they will increase your mastery of your words and your vocabulary. You will find yourself using a little more flowery grammar, obscure words, words that you haven't used in yours, and generally being more creative while on nootropics containing paracetam, green tea extract, and L-theanine. Next, nootropics eliminate the post-lunch, mid-afternoon productivity lull. Life hackers, entrepreneurs, students, and high-performing professionals, like the kind of people that listen to this podcast, loathe the mid-afternoon energy 
body energy lull. That sensation of needing a nap in the middle of the day when you know you should be doing your best work. So nootropics like B vitamins, paracetam, and caffeine will help you maintain a high baseline of mental energy and body energy throughout the entire day. And this is awesome. HCF actually has six different kinds of B vitamins that are very important to your brain. Nootropics boost neuroplasticity. So plasticity, the cognitive function we employ whenever we learn new skills, a new language, form new memories, make new friends, recover from brain damage, or adapt to new challenges or situations is maintained and boosted by nootropics. Fatty amino acids are one of the most essential building blocks of new brain cells and synaptic connections, which are the biological components of neuroplasticity. So I would recommend amino acids and a lot of vitamin B12, which is essential to the manufacture of these new neurotransmitters as well as the brain cells themselves. And HCF, the nootropic that you can try for free, has 2,500% of the recommended daily value of vitamin B12. It has all the vitamin B12 that you need to have really limitless neuroplasticity going on. Nootropics fight physiological and psychological stress. So stress without a doubt is the least limitless thing for your life. It's if there's one chemical condition that can be blamed for making life suck when it does suck, it is cortisol. And the following nootropics work to regulate cortisol and protect your brain from oxidative stress with potent antioxidants and minimize your perception of stress. So that's bacopa, ginkgo biloba, green tea, L-carnitine, L-theatine, L-tyrosine, and vitamin B3. Another really cool effect of nootropics is that they promote lucid dreaming. So Lucid dreaming is kind of like the movie Inception, but in real life. So you have these dreams, but you're aware that you're dreaming, as opposed to just feeling like you're on a roller coaster, like you're along for the ride in your dreams. You're like, oh, I'm dreaming right now. And you can actually have these interesting interactions with the characters in your dreams. You can ask them whatever questions you want. You can travel to interesting places like Alcatraz or the moon. You can have a lightsaber battle. You can fly through the air. You can pretty much do anything that you want. You can go on a date with Angelina, Jolie, whatever you feel like doing, you can kind of consciously 
choose to do it and a lot of times you can do it for what seems like sometimes hours without actually waking up so it's like inception but in real life and so the common nootropics DMAE and Huperzine A work together to cause this lucid dreaming effect and so that's one of the more entertaining side effects of doing nootropics. Like just the other night, I had a dream where I was at a cocktail party in my city at a bar that I go to quite frequently. And so I was at a cocktail party and then I started breakdancing at the cocktail party. And because it was a dream, I could do like a bunch of these sweet breakdancing moves that I can't actually do in real life. It was it was pretty awesome. And then I left the cocktail party and I started walking down this shady street alley and I got in a fight with these Russian guys and we used like poles to fight each other like I found some poles uh, like big long metal poles from what looked like a construction uh, thing going on and then I had a fight with these Russian guys and then I found President Obama and so me and Obama then went into this building and we walked down this long staircase and we talked about politics and then we walked down and we found a pirate ship that was in lava and so we came to the pirate ship and then we jumped across the lava and we climbed up. You know that net that they have hanging off the side of pirate ships? We climbed up that net, me and Obama did, and then we saw my friend Derek and his new wife. And we had a nice time talking with them. And I've actually been meaning to get dinner with my friend Derek and his new life. So it was a you know good chance to catch up with him in my own unconscious. So those are the kind of dreams that you'll have when you're on nootropics and you'll be aware of them. So it's it's pretty cool and it happens pretty consistently when you take nootropics. So that's another benefit. Nootropics will boost your libido and sexual appetite as well. So ginkgo biloba and ginseng in a proportion of 60-40 work in concert to empower your mind and your libido. L-tyrosine boosts sex drive and has a positive effect on erectile dysfunction. And the nutraceutical cocktail Age Lock Vitality contains a number of high quality nootropic ingredients that boost sex drive. If you're a single person, and I know a lot of the people that listen to this podcast are single people, nootropics are going to make you more more bold and articulate and confident in social social situations, which is inevitably going to get you laid more often as well. So it makes your sex life better. Nootropics save you money. So eating a completely healthy organic diet containing the proportionate amounts of brain-free feeding nutraceuticals mentioned in this article would cost you like an extra $400 a month. And you would be eating weird food like all the time. You would probably not be able to stop eating if you wanted to get all the same amount of nutraceuticals that you get from nootropics but get them from food instead. You'd be stuffing your face all the time with really expensive 
organic food. And that's just the cost in groceries. The daily coffee shop or energy drink habit that many workaholics and productivity rock stars like yourself have costs anywhere from $70 monthly to several hundred dollars monthly. And the cognitively cognitively superior, sustainable, and significantly healthier productivity buzz that you get new you get from nootropics is going to cost you a hundred dollars max but not this time this time it's going to be free but there's some options that cost up to a hundred dollars nootropics also save you time so the vast majority of nootropics are taken in pill form so that they take just a few seconds out of your morning or after lunch to swallow with a drink of water in contrast the other habits people employ to maximize their productivity and their energy like coffee shop visits, buying energy drinks from gas stations, buying special groceries, taking power naps during the day, meditation breaks, etc. Those type of activities are going to eat up at least several productive hours every single month. Also, nootropics help you beat addictions. So nootropic substances like paracetam, 5-HTP, and alterazine deepen your perception of reward and arousal from healthy pleasure stimuli. Eating good food, spending time with loved ones, having sex, which you're already going to be having more of because your libido is all fired up and you're more confident. Uh, physical touch, accomplishing goals, exercise, relaxation, etc. And so there's been a couple of studies that have shown nootropics helping people suffering from alcohol and methamphetamine. So, you know, if you've got some personal demons, and I think most people do have some personal demons, if we're being honest, nootropics are going to help you to deal with those. And finally, nootropics have relatively non-existent side effects. One of the single greatest reasons to take nootropics as a preventative measure or to treat a condition is the relative lack of negative side effects. For a frightening experience, go check the potential side effects of some of the most popular pharmaceuticals on the market for the kinds of conditions that nootropics will prevent or treat more effectively. So many of the pharmaceuticals on the market that treat things like depression, anxiety, ADHD, problems sleeping, these pharmaceuticals introduce serious health risks. They can cause cancer. They can sometimes even cause death in rare cases. And I can tell you that after personally experimenting for over nine months with numerous nootropics, and sometimes I try these nootropics at really high dosages. Sometimes I jack the dosage on these nootropics way up. I can tell you personally that the very worst side effect that I've had is that I've noticed a little bit of increased anxiety with people that are slower than me. So like if I'm at a grocery store or say if I'm in traffic or if I'm at a crowded bar and there's someone who's just being slow or there's, they're just not quite as quick 
on the uptake, I notice that I get a little bit more annoyed with them than I would normally. Because normally I'm a person that's just like cool with pretty much everyone and life's all good. But if I'm jacked up on a really high dosage of, say, paracetam, I'm a little bit more irritable with slow people. Thanks again for listening to the Limitless Mindset Podcast. The mindset life hack, the takeaway from this episode, is again, like Klaus von Stauffenberg, play the devil's advocate and play the arbitrary contrarian in whatever setting.